You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where super is a gender and we always want you to assume it's ours. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I'm sure you've noticed by now the audio quality is a little different for this episode. I'm recording in my kitchen. That's for a reason. We'll get to that in a second. You can consider this a special episode of the show. A very special episode. A very special, well, yeah, I guess you could say that. We'll say that very special in the 90s after school exactly. way of saying that. Yeah. But first, I have to bring in my co-host. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. What an exciting week. I was in uh, Austin this week for work, and as uh, soon as I landed at... Uh, 12.30 in the afternoon, went straight to a barbecue place, and uh, then had tacos for dinner that night, and just uh, experienced the full-on Austin experience. It was great. That's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. How's uh, how's your uh, your business going? You were texting about catering for like 100 people or something? Oh, man. It's been a crazy weekend this weekend. There's some sort of NCAA, I think, uh, volleyball tournament of some kind. I don't know. It must be like, uh, I, I don't know what, like, you know what uh division or whatever um uh but uh yeah i came in uh did some training um eight like eight to ten and the line was already forming out the door there was like four catering orders i was like okay well we'll stay for a little bit make sure they they don't get backed up i didn't leave till like two o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) i mean it was great but uh yeah it's uh basically we had we had we had done the same amount of bread that we would have done the entire weekend by uh by two o'clock so uh, that means we had made the same number of sandwiches we usually would have made in, a, in the entire weekend uh, on the first day of the weekend. But uh, I guess it is a holiday recession. weekend and it's a tournament. So uh, let's go. Yeah, it definitely sounds like volleyball season because we were driving International Drive by the Orange County Convention Center and there was a volleyball event going on there too. So it's definitely volleyball season. And when I say we, also joining us from across the table... In the greatest state in the country, Florida, visiting from Washington, D.C., Daniel T. Richards. I am still privileged in some way. No, I should have known that was going to (laughs) happen. Boy, it's good to be back, kind of. I enjoy being here a little bit. It's really nice speaking to you this infrequently. (laughs) I I like how you say that, yet you're constantly involved in every conversation via the... uh, the secret thread where we plot the show. Ah, oh. uh, yes, the secret, seek the secret, <laughs> <laughs> the three, the secret thread. The secret is if you wish for it hard enough, it becomes the earth. Yes, it's nice to be part of the <laughs> secret text message thread, William. Shh, don't tell people. Very top, very top secret, very high tech. We could get we hacked. Share stories. For what's going on in the world, and I sometimes chime in, and then Justin yells at me and says, I've already seen this 40 hours ago, 
what are you doing? And I say, I have a three-year-old. I don't have a life. And uh, that's basically the cycle of violence that's perpetuated against me on a daily basis. Psychological violence. Mm -hmm. Interpersonal hostility via thread. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us about some positive things, though? What's going on with you? What is going on with me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What what have you been doing other than raising a (laughs) three-year-old? Well, I've also been raising a business, which is now eight months old. So I think I was on here. It's like having two children. Just recently after the launch of the business return on ideas and now we are four full-time employees strong and uh four 1099 contractors strong so things are going quite well for those of you who don't remember return on ideas is a digital agency that also focuses on strategy communications and content production for organizations who who are liberty-minded we're on a mission to accelerate ideas that free minds and that includes all of yours. So, yeah, other than that, uh, nothing going on other than my wife is like eight and a half months pregnant. And we're about to have a little girl come mid-June. Sweet breeders. Which will make, I know, single-handedly destroying the planet through global That's warming. That's right. Haven't you thought of your carbon emissions? I have, in fact. And I have decided to uh, increase them. A bit more? <laughs> yes. That's right. I checked my privilege and decided I wanted more of it. Oh, man, the Ricky Gervais. I just watched the Ricky Gervais uh, special, and uh, there was many of a joke of that that kind. (laughs) Yeah, so do we. Our our joke on the show used to be, we've checked our privilege and we're fine. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, All is well. We checked our privilege at the door. Well, that's kind of how I felt about the Ricky Gervais special. It's kind of the same reaction I had to Adam Carolla, where Dan's like, Adam Carolla's hysterical. And I'm just like... No, he just says normal things. And that's what I felt about the Ricky Gervais special. Like, I know he was trying to be funny, but to me, I was like, no, you're just speaking normally. Uh, while we're on this tangent, just... uh, Dana, did you watch the Ricky Gervais special? The new one? Yeah, we all wa- we both okay. watched okay. it last night. Well, watch is a very loose term. <laughs> <laughs> I Wait, were you juggling babies while... while? <laughs> close! Close! I sat at Justin's kitchen table and threw uh, the, the scenery of he and Christine putting together patio furniture... I happened to glimpse scenes <laughs> from the Ricky Gervais special uh, amidst rattan furniture being thrown across the room. Uh, no throwing, really. But um, yeah, I, I, I did, quote, watch it. All right. I enjoyed well, it. I, I, thought I have a question. Were I, I, was watching it, I was watching it with my friend yeah. uh, who uh, um, uh, is a dual ling- linguistic, uh, however you say, he speaks multiple languages. And so we always He's watch things with the... Uh, with the uh, captions on. So he was sometimes ahead of the jokes, right? But he's Duolingo. Duolingo. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think there was an audience. That was definitely a laugh track, right? Like all of it was a laugh track. I don't think it was a single genuine audience reaction in there. Interesting. Interesting. I, I I'm hypersensitive that. to the laugh track thing. So again, because of, you know, uh, Alan wrenches and whatnot. Oh yeah. 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 Me. That's true. But, um, I will rewatch it. Who's Alan? Why is his last name Wrench? That's uh, a weird last name. Oh, Chuck Liskey. Mm-hmm. Here, we go. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Or Keyless um, Chuck. I said it backwards. <laughs> In my and, defense, uh, there, these, I, I the East Coast privilege that. has woken me up at 7 a.m. I'm only three quarters of a coffee in. Isn't that the time you people get up over there so you can do like healthy stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I didn't go surfing this morning yet. So, yeah, yeah. By you people, I mean gays. 
the case. Mm-hmm. Let's move on from Ricky Gervais. I'm tired of talking about Ricky Gervais. I want to talk about other things. Okay, well, let's talk about annoying TikTokers and Walmart and um, the other thing everyone wants us to talk about this week, right? Oy vey. indeed. Let's do it in Life on the Midside. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support including, and perhaps especially, affirmations. You know who could use an affirmation? Is a TikToker. I I think I could probably just end that statement there, but let's go more in detail about what kind of TikToker. So there was a story in the Newport Newport, Newport, wow, in the New York Post I saw recently, uh, it was published May 27th, that I just wanted to, to mention here because I think it's a good example of how insane TikTok culture is and just how insane our culture is in general with people seeking attention and then using whatever happens as a means of further getting that attention. So the headline is Disney World guest says she was asked to leave park or buy shirt to match dress code. And essentially this this woman posted and I use the term woman um, loosely because this is a girl in her early 20s so you decided if someone in her early 20s complaining about a shirt at Disney is a woman or not uh, posted a what this article says is a 7 second video and in the video she says guys it happened I got dress coded at Disney and I was told to leave or get a shirt so now we're getting a shirt and this clip of her wearing a white not front top has garnered 7.9 million views, 1.2 million likes, and 4,240 comments. Now, first of all, it's interesting to me the wide disparity between the number of views, the number of likes, and the number of comments. That's That tells you a lot about engagement there. But also, we the call fact that, that ratioed. This is even, we call that ratioed. Oh, she got ratioed? Or no, isn't this the well, opposite I guess, of a ratio? I, yeah, well, maybe, I, yeah, I guess it is the opposite of a ratioed. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, tar. The opposite <laughs> wow. Wow. We're, we're competing for worst joke today. Oh, apparently. man. Our I dad jokes you. have gone up 1,000%. <laughs> well, Daniel's about to double as a dad, so he has double the powers we have. But it's crazy to me because there are so many comments on this video saying, like, how this is a, a bad thing and it's evil. And um, Wait, what is the bad thing? What is The evil? dress code, that she got dress coded at Disney. Right, and we see pictures of the shirt here. These are pictures of boobs. Right. Well, Let's be clear. Exactly. They're they're essentially well. Earlier, when you said not front shirt, I did not think K N O T. I thought there is no front to this shirt because the picture would indicate that I am correct. Well, there essentially isn't, and there are essentially no boobs either because the woman doesn't really have boobs. But that's the point: is Disney has a right to have whatever dress code it wants in its parks. And it has a right to tell people you need to leave or you need to buy a shirt in order to stay in the park. All right. Well, let's test this hypothesis. Which color is this person? 
what is there? Sex, she's gender, and so she's white. Okay. okay, yeah. So she's white. Okay, yeah. Then I think I think that Disney can tell then her they what do to have wear. a right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. So your hypothesis is they wouldn't tell her if she were any other race. I don't think they could. She could say it's some sort of uh, ceremonial garb of her native people, or it's the slave dress of her. Well, I mean, kind. this is the like, ceremonial garb it's of the my whole genders. Tribe, I think. <laughs> yeah, my gender. My gender requires this. I'm a male. Why? Why can't I uh, wear this? I could just take my shirt off because I'm a male. <clears throat> that's true, and that's an angle I hadn't thought of. Well, Do they that's why we're here. Dudes at Disney. No, you can't be shirtless no. at Disney. No. no. So why would they allow shirtless chicks? Right. Wait, I'm now, hold on. Not even, like, anywhere in the park? There's not, like, a water ride? Well, or I anything? mean, obviously in a water park. In Typhoon Lagoon, you could probably be shirtless. All right, all right. I'm not not trying to be, uh... uh Typhoon Lagoon. They... <laughs> that is not a water park for their Asian guests, Dan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the, the recording picked up him going, Typhoon Lagoon. <laughs> so... What is the point of her? What I mean is, like, she posted a video that said it finally happened. Does that mean she's been trying to make this happen? Has this been... Is this the entire point of her TikTok account? <laughs> Every week she takes off a little more of her shirt to see if... Where's the line? Where the line is. Is this actually a public service? What if when she providing? walked in this time, Patrick Stewart jumped out and was like, The line must be drawn here! Here and no further. <laughs> Um, also, is this amusing to people? Like, is that why they're watching this? Or are they just looking at boobs? I mean, I always assume when there's any woman who's halfway attractive, and I'm not speaking to this woman's level of attractiveness or not, I'm just saying in general, the principle on the internet is if there's a halfway attractive woman, no matter what her content is, she'll get a high number of views. Hmm. So there's an element of that. But I, I do think there's an element of social justice in this and not in the way William is talking about where people really want to prescribe the same rules for every company and everything. And they're saying she's being oppressed, essentially, that the patriarchy is oppressing her. Hmm. I do think there's an element of that. And that's that's part of what the farce is here to me, that she can get this many views, A, for simply being a woman, and B, as if this is something that's interesting. This should be the most mundane thing in the entire world. Company that owns property decides who can come in or not based upon whatever standard it wants. That should just be a basic mundane fact of our society. But it's not. This is something that 7.9 million views? On a seven-second video, though, so... I don't know what counts on TikTok. I've still decided I should not be on that platform. Can you? Is it, like, multiple views? Like, if you watch it twice, is that two views? I don't know. know. I don't know. So... That aside, I am fascinated by how fascinated people are by this seven-second video. It is amusing to me that something, you're right, the word mundane is perfect, that this mundane is entertainment. Yes. That we're now down to, I had to buy a shirt at Disney, and people are like, woo, (laughs) sign me up to follow this girl. What is going on? That's what I tell my kids all the time, right? My students in class. I always tell them, I go, you guys can literally stream shows that have production value of millions of dollars, but you'd rather watch these people on TikTok. So you're not even taking the high quality easy way out. If you were taking the high quality easy way out and you were, you know, streaming 
the entire Fast and the Furious franchise, I'd be significantly less mad at you. But you're literally just sitting there on TikTok where videos like this are playing over and over again. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, on the plane sitting next to me in, uh, in the aisle uh, across, there was a pretentious douche artist. But his girlfriend was watching uh, Instagram videos the entire time on the plane while I'm watching Kenobi. Does she not have her Kenobi? Like, I get it that, like, Kenobi's not everyone's thing. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, doesn't she have a show or a movie or a book or something other than 15 seconds of people uh, pretend, like, 15 seconds of people reciting monologues from shows (laughs) or reciting lyrics from songs? Yeah, that's, I mean, you really want to get it. I really don't understand where they sync their they, they lip sync clips from shows when you could just watch the show why, why do i need to watch you lip sync don draper saying something i can just go watch don draper saying it this segment brought to you by aarp <laughs> you too can retire at the age of 30 no but i think the 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 find your kenobi is a great sort of concept what's the thing you would rather invest in and put time into rather than just sort of dipping on the surface of everything because that's what this story is if you are literally dipping on the surface of this, you're missing what this entire thing is, that this is typical for Disney. Even in the article, it says people have been given shirts before by being at a dress code. So right. this is a typical common thing. Yeah. But enough but people did, Wait, but has it happened to a hot girl who, are, who is showing their boobs? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the typical Disney crowd, William. Gays? <laughs> That was the joke, yes. Okay. Uh, Also fat women hanging out with the gays. Mm. So. All right, well, let's move on to something else that uh, is also, I think, pretty mundane and has been made into an issue due to social justice. Mm. Uh, Walmart Mm. apparently created a controversy by selling Juneteenth ice cream. And the ice cream was described as... Does it taste like Juneteenth? (laughs) Or is it celebrating Juneteenth? Because one is way more offensive than right, the right. other. I, I mean, want I to know. I, more importantly, I want to know from both of you what flavor it would taste like. <laughs> right. So set it up and then we'll guess the flavor. Well, it's okay. too late. It says it here. I can't don't say it. the flavor. No, don't say but it. I can't. I'm biased. Make Daniel and William be uh, uh, canceled by guessing the I'll, flavor I'll, I'll not for mark. Juneteenth. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so the, the label reads... Share and celebrate African-American culture, emancipation, and enduring hope. So based on that description, what flavor do you think <laughs> Juneteenth ice cream is? And the answer is not watermelon. You oh, damn it. I was going to say fried chicken oh, plus watermelon. How dare you? That is offensive on so many levels. <laughs> Good thing you have proactively denounced everything you're saying. Yes. So, yeah. Well, and course. retroactively. And retroactively. So right now, I denounced it before and after I made that watermelon joke. That's right. And we're, so and I we're assume the flavor is not progress. vanilla. The flavor is not vanilla, Daniel. That's that's what we can rule out. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not vanilla. William, do you have a guess? Ooh, let's see. I would say... Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I can't think of anything more offensive. I, I'm I'm literally trying to think of like maybe like chocolate walnut. I don't know. Maybe trying to make some pistachio? some sort of obscure. Yeah. <laughs> what about grape soda? Oh, my oh God. there you go. Okay. <laughs> now we're getting Just somewhere. Stop it! Awful, uh, awful humans. You're awful I, people. 
Right, well, left this show in rage. Hold on. <laughs> the, the reason this is so funny to me is that I I don't know I don't even know what the flavor is, but it doesn't matter because they would be offended no matter what. So we're trying right. to pick an offensive flavor that would actually be offensive. So Justin, what is the flavor? No, the my, flavor my, is. Oh, you don't even get to say my dumb joke. Okay, you say your dumb joke. I get to say my dumb joke say on the show. Say your dumb joke on the show. I'm the guest. It's pistachio hazelnut cashew because this is nuts. Okay, the flavor is red velvet, for anyone who is wondering out there. Red, red velvet. velvet? Yeah, I don't know how red velvet is associated with Juneteenth or freedom. The South? Yeah, I don't know how it's associated with the South. But is it, isn't Juneteenth associated with Texas? Yeah, Texas is where... What is, what is the story of Juneteenth? We talked about this on the show before, right? And that's the thing. Like, here, let me read from the article. Juneteenth on June 19th is now a federal holiday after President Joe Biden signed a bill last year. It is the oldest U.S. celebration of the end of slavery, marking the day in 1865 when Union soldiers, soldiers, not shoulders, soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, and informed residents that the Civil War was over and slavery abolished. African Americans and others, which seems like a weird way of, you probably would want a noun in there, like well, that's, citizens that's, well, of the United we've States. We've got the transracial folks, right? Rachel yeah. Dolezal right. and people like that. But only African-Americans can long mark the anniversary of the end of slavery, uh, apparently. Much like the 4th of July, with parties, picnics, and gatherings of family and friends. Hmm. And that's that's the question I have. Right? Okay. So I'm, okay, if you want to, like, make this a holiday, fine. Right? There are worse things we could make a holiday, right? And there are worse things we have made a holiday, right? Like uh, Hugo Chavez Day, right, in California? Like Columbus Day? Like, yeah, like Columbus Day. Mm. You actually could argue Columbus Day is worse than Juneteenth. Sure. Right? I, I could accept that argument. So I have no problem making this a holiday. But once it's made a holiday, can we really get mad about corporations then jumping on the train to try and make money off of that holiday? Why are we not mad about them making 4th of July flavor of things? Or has anyone seen corporations during Gay Pride Month? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, he beats. Oh, did I post that meme to Discord? Uh, quick plug to the Discord. The... Uh, um about the uh, June is coming, right? So we know that uh, all the gay pride shit is just going to be everywhere. Hold on, I'll, I'll post it to see, to, uh, to the uh, so what general is, channel. So the controversy about the ice cream is that they decided to make the ice cream in the first place, that it's a corporatization of this holiday, or were they offended by the flavor? No, it's that they're, they're, um, they're making the flavor on the holiday. They're, they're taking advantage of it to make money. They're taking advantage of it to make money. I guess you could argue it's a modern day slavery because even the the emancipation of black people is being used to make white people money. I guess you could argue that because there are no black people who work at Walmart. Right. Okay. And I'm sure there are no black executives at Walmart, right? People don't, people aren't forced to buy the ice cream, right? Like you don't walk in and they lead you over to the con- the ice cream. Well, you must virtue you signal freezer. I, I mean, if if I had a choice and, and and was forced to virtue signal buying ice cream, I I think that would be the least evil option because I do love ice cream. Yeah, I don't get it. Maybe they should do a TikTok on it. <laughs> a well, seven second Walmart, TikTok. To a, a Walmart it. spokesperson replied, and this is what they said, Daniel. I don't know if this clears anything's up or not, but Juneteenth holiday which is a weird way of saying it, but anyway, marks a celebration of freedom and independence. 
However, we received feedback that a few items caused concern for some of our customers, and we sincerely apologize. We're reviewing our assortment and we'll remove items as appropriate. And of course, this is taken uh, off of the shelves. So you can no longer buy this ice cream. Uh, there are Twitter users. I must have it's it. Important. <laughs> it's a, well, that, that makes me more. That's the Cartman Land principle, right? I want yeah. it more now. Well, can you yeah. still get other red velvet ice cream? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have. But like, not the one arts. that offends the, the woke, though. No. I can't have offensive red velvet ice cream. Oh, it tastes like MAGA. <laughs> what would MAGA ice cream taste like? Let's end the segment with that. What would MAGA ice cream taste like? Arsenic and old lace. <laughs> Flaming hot Doritos? No, I didn't say that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Cheeto flavor. <laughs> we knew we All were right, I posted. There. I posted the meme to the general channel, which means Daniel can't possibly see it. Um, I, I, but, I won't log into Discord again, sorry. <laughs> every uh, every fourth time, it's like, hey, you have to give us some weird security thing because we think you're... You're a hacker. Yeah. A hacker. You're a Russian like, bot. I'm done with you. I'm done with you, Discord. I am done with you. Basically, so, it's all the uh, all the rainbow logos and, uh, you know, a tornado and, uh, and a <laughs> man saying, here it comes. I enjoy having Discord because every once in a while, one of the high school students sees I have Discord and they're freaked out that I know what Discord is. <laughs> so I enjoy having it for that reason. But when we're talking about school and students, there's something we have to talk oh, about this God. week. So <clears throat> do we want to just all begin by giving our condolences and saying we're praying for the the, the city uh, Uvalde? Is that how you say it in Texas? No, oh, yeah. Sure. Uvalde. So, as we all know, there was a, a, a terrible, tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where an 18-year-old gunman walked into an elementary school and shot a bunch of students and two teachers. Uh, I believe it was a total of 21 people, so 19 students, but I don't know how updated the numbers are or anything right now. Uh, I will say this, that it's important to note that it was only one classroom. So this isn't like back in the day where somebody went through a shooting spree throughout the school. We've gotten to the point in our culture where we can contain it, right? It was only that one classroom. Now, that doesn't excuse or minimize the tragedy of what happened, but I do think that that's important to note. Now, my question is, why is an 18-year-old going into an elementary school, right? But even asking that question is offensive to a lot of people right now. Because they're saying mental illness and gun violence should not be linked. Now, there's a whole article I found on health.com. I'll drop it in the Discord. I don't want to go into the specifics of the article because I think really the subheadline really gets at what the issue is that they have here. They say the association further alienates people with mental health issues while ignoring other avenues for solutions. So the other avenues is, of course... Gun control, correct? So, yeah, because we ignore gun control every time there's a school shooting. Well, that's what they claim, right? That's one of my major issues with the way this has been responded to is everyone nowadays. It's now changed. Everyone nowadays, in order to virtue signal, has to say something must be done now. Something must be done now. And the implication of that statement is gun control. So it's now gotten to the point that socially... We've conceded to the idea of, 
you have to admit that we need gun control because of these situations. And that's the question I want to throw to all of you and get your perspective on here. Why is it we're not allowed to discuss mental health? And why is it it's going neatly down the side of the right wing saying mental health is the issue, the left wing saying guns is the issue? Isn't it both? And why why can we not discuss mental health at all? Why why do we discuss what why do we never discuss guns when, you know, Chicago has a, you know, a record-setting weekend of murders which I mean, but which 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 uh, Democrat control, controlled city will have that record for this weekend because this is a holiday weekend. But uh what what when when that stuff happens it's it's all about white privilege and terrible schools and we need uh, midnight basketball and right it's all these other culture things which like I'm not passing judgment on any of that. But then when it's a school shooting, it's definitely gun control is the topic. And of course, if, you know, we should just, you know, that take guns from all law abiding citizens immediately in order to combat this, uh, the scourge of gun violence. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that there is um, it, a, a, certainly a tribalism to this. It's these sides have sort of been picked and therefore, they are the ready-made things when a tragedy arises. It is sort of what gives us comfort in our own rightness, in our own philosophy of life, that we have these go-to things. Um, all that is very second-handed. All of it is is not particularly useful. I, I, would say- I would even say it's evasive. Rather than address the specific situation, you just evade and fall back on whatever makes you feel better. Yeah, I think this is not to, – to be clear, I don't want to actually even ascribe this purely to Democrats and Republicans or left and right. I think it is tribalism and falling into comfortable safe zone arguments is uh, something that almost all people do, and you have to fight against it almost every single time. That's not to say that – I don't mean to imply that every single situation – is ex nihilo, and you have to de- devise new principles every time you're confronted with a new concrete. That's not what I mean. What I mean is specifically the type of argumentation that people do. Um, I mean, if you had said there was going to be a school shooting, what will be trending on Twitter the day after? We would have told you mental illness will be trending, and it'll be right-wing people talking about it. And uh, you know, do something now, or stop the insanity, or... <laughs> Some other Susan Powder saying from the 90s uh, will be trending and it will be from the left. And they'll want to be talking specifically about gun control, but the type of argumentation they will use is essentially if you're against gun control, you're an evil person who wants to murder children, right? I think fitting into these buckets and retreating to these corners is both a sign of the increased polarization that we're experiencing, but it also increases the polarization that we're experiencing as opposed to having an actual body politic that gets together and says, we disagree fundamentally, but what are the things we can agree on to find some path forward, even if it's a little path forward? Um, So in the spirit of that, what are the things, potentially, I'm not saying we should solve gun violence here at this table, but we probably could given enough time, um, but what are some of the things that might be those little steps forward that we can find agreement on? So 
I'm going to uh, talk about two things here. One is related to schools specifically, and one is related to the gun violence in general that mm-hmm. you're saying. And I'm going to start with the school thing in specific as a school teacher now, and having been through a red lockdown this year where a kid thought it was smart to bring a BB gun to school and we had to all be on lockdown for two hours, right? Uh, so starting with that, no one talks about the logistics of discipline at a public school. There is no real way of disciplining students. And what I mean by that is two things. One, there's simply too many students and not enough adults. And this is very much felt at the school I teach at, right, where kids wander around campus. They do what they want. And what, what happens? They get suspended either in school or out of school, and then they come back. Or worst case scenario, they go to, or perhaps best case, whatever you would use, they go to a remedial school and then come back after a certain amount of time, supposed to be rehabilitated. There are no real consequences because going to public school is a legal right that you can't take away from them. Because of that, there's no real way of disciplining them. So the behavior naturally will always get worse and worse and worse. It's always going to escalate. And there will always be, and this is something we don't talk about, Right? We don't accept that there will always be poverty. There will always be unemployment because there will always be extreme instances. And again, I'm not excusing this, but there's always going to be the extreme outliers who go to things like this. And we need to find ways of identifying them better. We saw this with the, the shooting in Florida at Broward, at Marjorie Stone and Douglas, right? Where that kid, how many times had he been reported to the FBI and nothing was done about it? How many school officials said there's something about this? And something that I take into personal responsibility is when I see someone with warning signs, I will straight up go right. I'm friends with the SROs, the security officers, the police officers on campus, and I will go to them. And I will say, I don't know what's going to happen with the system here because there's a lot of bureaucracy here and we know the problems with it. But I am telling you personally, I've seen this on social media or I've seen this student say something and this does not seem normal to me. And I don't know if this is extreme or not. But I'd rather have this noted and you and I watch it and see what happens than nobody mentions it because it's going to come down to personal responsibility. What? I will at a certain point, if I see a student who I think is that much of a a risk, I will do something personally if I need to. And if that if somebody hears this and I lose my job because of it, that's fine. I'm comfortable with that because it comes down to that. So that's the first thing that nobody talks about. Logistically, there's no real way of punishing kids who want to do wrong so the extreme outliers are always going to be enabled by the system Hmm. and then the second thing we are not talking about here is and if you want to see somebody who is talking about it dr brad thompson at clemson subscribe to his Substack. he's doing a series of essays right now on gun violence in schools and he is talking about who's doing it and why they're doing it he's talking about the ideas underneath And I think something people need to acknowledge is, first of all, this isn't teachers doing this. This is a certain age range. I think if we get to the point that a teacher does this, our culture is completely gone and we can just pack it in America. Good game. We're done. But the fact that this is students, young kids in their teens, and also, Daniel, has one woman done this? Has one girl done this? I don't know how they identify, but no. Okay. Right. Even the guy who shot in Buffalo, which isn't a school, young man. Right. This is all young men doing this. And I'm not arguing the social justice angle of toxic masculinity and things like that. But I am arguing, as we've mentioned many times on this show, 
There is an issue with how we deal with masculinity and how that affects young men in this country. And it affects young women too, believe me. As a girls wrestling coach, I can see the way they're affected by no good male role models and no good males around them. That they're they're looking to be they're looking to date and be romantic and associate with these men and like there's no boys around that are worth their time. And we're seeing the effects of that and nobody wants to talk about that. We can call it mental illness, we can call it not. And I think those are the two things we can agree about. The system overall, it does not do enough to discipline and disincentivize this behavior and disincentivize this any bad behavior. And two, we have a problem with the way we treat maleness in this country, and it's leading to things like this. Hmm. William, as the resident gun gay, what are the... uh things we can agree on or that where should the conversation go around so-called gun control? And can you also tell me where gun gay is on a map? Because that sounds like a city. <laughs> the, uh, we know that the capital is gun gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think the, the issue is an issue that we see a lot in culture, which is where if you say something like um, something mild, like hey, I don't think gun control would have helped in this situation. All of a sudden, you're some sort of MAGA NRA extremist that thinks everyone should have a nuclear weapon. And that's not a, it's not a way to have a conversation about this. And I've even, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and, and, and heard a lot of people talking in the various events that, that has happened, um, where they're good ideas and they're bad ideas – uh, once once someone has a bad idea, like "Hey, we should confiscate all guns," immediately we'd stop listening to anything they say, and uh, that's not necessarily fair because it it the issue is very polarizing, much like other polarizing issues. Gay marriage used to be very polarizing. Abortion is very polarizing to a lot of people, um, and so you touch this third rail, and all of a sudden it's it's very very moralistic and and uh, and black and white thinking in the sense of of applying a complete uh you're 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 completely evil because you hold this one bad idea that uh we should ban all guns or that or uh, the 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 uh gun equivalent would be uh, I love how everyone starts talking about assault rifles when this happens when we know it's handguns that that is the primary weapon of choice for for these kinds of uh these kind of events and more people are killed by handguns than any other form of uh, of gun, but we, whenever there's gun violence stuff, we immediately start talking about assault rifles, quote unquote, which is not even a, a thing. And then the all the confusion that comes with that, uh, which is which just shows complete ignorance on the issue. Um, but that doesn't mean we dismiss everything that a person says uh, just because they don't understand guns or or understand individual rights, um, because there's a psychological and a cultural aspect to this that are that is so important. And Justin, I'm gl- I'm so glad you talked about what we are doing to men and boys in this culture, it, it's unconscionable. And, uh, and we, we, in a way I can see where someone would write this article that, you know, about the whole, uh, you know, is it, uh, is it mental illness? Right. And, uh, and, and sort of just blaming on mental illness. There's a way that we could scapegoat mental illness in this case. We'd say, well, you know, obviously they were just crazy, whatever. And it's like, well, what? Where are the supports for boys? There, there are none, right? And I mean, we see it just as a microcosm. We see it in, 
in uh, colleges, you know, the, amongst plummeting male uh, enrollment and male and 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 skyrocketing uh, male um, uh, dropout rates in 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 higher education, even in, in high school and stuff, we always see is support for women. Um, well, and this 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 shooter in Uvalde was in fact a high school dropout. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like that. There's no there's no support for uh, the kinds of uh, if we were really concerned with these kinds of events, we know that there is a certain demographic that that will, you know, or could um, uh, cause these kinds of events. And there's a psychological profile and a cultural understanding and all these things. We could take all these things into account and really target and and try to support um, folks going through whatever it is that leads to these kinds of actions. There's a lot of patterns well, that we see. The kinds of isolation that we put men through in order to get someone into this state. Now, I'm not saying that the isolation causes it, but we know that for some people, it can be the trigger. How do we support them going back to causal chain? Right. And you use the word support, but isn't this the middle ground that we can find where perhaps with this demographic, we look at how to support them, but we are also harsher with observing their relationship with weapons? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I think on that. I, yeah. Uh, just one quick thing. We always punish legal gun owners when these things happen. We never target the actual perpetrators of this violence. On that point about being harsher with our observations and 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 taking what we see seriously, uh, I think you brought it up. But just to put a really fine point on it, the front line here has to be parents as they are the only ones with the direct observational ability on what's going on on a daily basis or should be. And there is, I think, as much as there is um, a boy crisis, I think there's a parenting crisis going on. I mean, these the shooters we hear about, is it, oh, they came from a perfectly love, loving Mormon family, like with an intact mom and dad, and no. They're always broken families. The mom in this case has a lot of issues, alcoholism, etc. That that family structure, and this is coming from an objectivist, ladies and gentlemen, talking about the family structure. But like the breakdown of the family structure is going to be wildly detrimental to especially young men, but but young women as well. And if we're going to link what you were talking about, William, with like the the shootings in 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 cities and such. Uh, a lot of it is coming from the black community. The breakdown of the family in the black community is historically bad, like historically awful. Um, and the question, first and foremost, you can work back from what should we should be doing about guns, right? But first and foremost, it's how is it happening that parents are raising children who either have been so broken that they think it's okay to harm other people through gun violence or are so absent that they don't recognize the, here we say it, mental illness that's going on in their child such that they think they could be a danger to other people. I mean, even logistically, how do they not see the child getting a hold of these weapons? Right. So it's all of that. It's well, all of we, that. And I think that's Well, so point. we know some of this, you know, just I've been listening to a couple of folks commentary on this. A lot of the folk, a lot of people who conduct this kind of violence, get it from, get their, get these weapons from family members. It's not like they're going to a gun show and buying them. Right. And so there is something to be said here 
about responsible ownership and identifying high-risk people. But there's also, you know, they're getting them their guns from family members, but these these parents are not parents of the year for the most part, right? So, uh, the, like, again, we it comes back to responsible... It, it, keep focusing on gun laws that only punish responsible gun owners um, instead of, like, deconstructing the problem. And... At, well, there's, and, something, and, there's something to be said about uh, about identifying at risk people and and temporarily restricting them from access to their own guns, right? Because we see this in, right. in for older folks. You know, there's there's a lot of I think I, I can't remember the name of the person, but there's someone who's a, a big advocate of male mental health and responsible gun ownership, and very much approaches the situation uh, with that in mind, saying like, hey, you know, we should we should encourage you know for the most part, guns are a positive moral influence on on men in particular owning and, and carrying weapons um becomes a moral amplifier i think that's something that paul shea said a long time ago uh, that really struck home for me but that means that when you have someone who's in a bad state uh it, it becomes a moral amplifier for evil right so we have sure. to recognize that and figure out what's the rights respecting way to um to engage in that from a government standpoint and then what's the societal things we want to put in place to enable that so uh, I'm going to move on to another topic, Justin, unless you want to. OK, so I don't want this to be a huge focus. We can move on from this pretty quickly. But I, I, the, the conversation has now moved to talking about the police response and what police should be doing. And I don't want people out there to think that we, we also don't think that there are things police could be doing differently um, in these situations. From They're my supposed perspective, to arrest all the parents, right? That try to go That's in? right. Exactly. Okay. Um, no. Why don't we just arrest all of us? Why don't we have a, a gun violence lockdown? Yeah. We'll just imprison all 16 to 25-year-olds, males, and then there'll be no more violence, basically. I was saying imprison all of us and there'll be no more. If we're oh, going to have well. climate lockdowns, let's have gun violence lockdowns. Oh, there you go. Let's just yeah, blow the whole thing up. Um, no, but but from my perspective, it's, it's difficult on a concrete basis to say, you know, the police should have rushed in or they shouldn't. I think in this case, it was pretty clear that the police acted poorly is cowardly, gracious, um, exceptionally cowardly, uh, immorally. What is the Adam Corolla joke? There's always time for backup. Uh, Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and also the reports of them stopping parents from trying to go in, well, I will say that that from, again, having experienced a red lockdown at my school, that's an issue of chaos. And what I mean by that is we had a red lockdown and then they lifted it and immediately there was chaos because there were parents outside the front of the school trying to get in and then all the kids were trying to get out. So I understand where they're coming from. I'm not saying they did well. I'm not saying they did well at my school either, but I get where they're coming from. Yeah. It's only, if you have people who are emotional, especially scared trying to get their kids out that's only going to add to the chaos which could potentially add to the violence and death toll i get it i get it if it is the plan that they are going to go in and stop the shooter oh agreed if the plan is we're going to wait here then i i then chaos is better than dead kids right and um, you said you didn't want to focus on the police response so i'm going to wrap this back which to make it easier for you to not focus on the police response, it even comes down to personal responsibility on the part of the police officer. At a certain point, people just have to go, who is going to stop it in this situation? 
And that's something I often live my life by, not even with this stuff, but just in general. I do stuff because if, if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? Right. I was going to make a broader point, and then I got off on a tangent bashing the police. Sorry about that. I was going to make a broader point about how we view police in our current culture, right? Which is their revenue generators, their uh, social workers, their whatever, when if we actually limited police to what we really should want them to do, which is be the sort of last um, guardian of the of protecting us from violence, basically, in, in many different ways. I, I think that's just a better direction to push things. Basically, I'm trying to say is we need police response to be more focused on the most important thing that they do and much less focus on everything else that we want them to do. Yeah. Um, that's a general point because I know in this particular case, like, they had, like, SWAT gear and they had done trainings on shit like this and they ended up not going in anyway. So, th- but we're trying to think about general solutions for this this issue. Focus the police on doing protection of rights work instead of out there violating our rights. Yeah. And just in general, what is everyone's role? Maybe we all need to rethink our role in this situation. Yeah. Rather than saying there needs to be change. Well, whenever you say there needs to be change, shouldn't that change start internally? Sure. So it seems virtue signaling to say there needs to be change because when people say, aren't they demanding everyone else change and not themselves? Yeah. So maybe that's the ultimate takeaway here. Maybe that is the ultimate mid-side takeaway. You think there needs to be change? Do you need to change yourself? Assess yourself. What are you doing to help or hurt the situation? Because I know when we had red lockdown at school, my students came out better than other students because of the way I handled it and the way I talked to them and the way I acted. And they told me that, that they felt safe and they felt comfortable. And my students were back at school the next day and it increased my bond with them. So what are you doing to help in these situations? There needs to be change. And who said that? Was it Gandhi? Be the change you want to see? Oh, did you just quote Gandhi on this show? I mean, Gandhi... Did you quote Gandhi on this show? He's right. Is he not? He was a vegan. I didn't say he was right about everything. said he was right about that. All right, William, anything else you want to add before we move on? No, I think think that there's a lot to this, and we could probably talk about it for hours, but it seems like... I don't... I am skeptical that any positive progress will be made on this at, at any time in the future. Sorry to be so pessimistic. I mean, that's kind of our culture in general right now. That's kind of the farce, isn't it? A lot of talk, not a lot of doing anything. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of wasted Which we're totally energy. contributing to by having a podcast. <laughs> this podcast is doing something. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to some uh, better things, hopefully. No. Nope. No, Dan says no. That gives you the review before the review. In The Hopeful Romantic with Jamma. Put me into syndication. Broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline lapse, my made-for-TV type was written off. When I wasn't focused on 
If you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. If you go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, you can click on any episode link, and in there, there's a link to join our Discord channel. We'd love to hear from you. We get great content from midsiders who often affect the outline of the show, affect how each episode goes. You'll see a bunch of the trailers this week were submitted by Midsider Cody. And I've been loving the last few episodes. I've been loving having the commentary from Midsiders on the show about the trailers where they give their perspective and we shared there as well. I think that really enhances the show tremendously. So join our Discord, contribute. You can contribute content you want to see us talk about, content about the trailers that we discuss in the art segment. But before we do that, we always do a review. And this review Daniel is going to help out with this week because we saw the Bob's Burgers movie on Friday. Yeah, we did. Uh, I think that's a, a, a more exciting reaction than I would have given. And I'm not saying this is a bad movie. Look, I will put my rating at the beginning. I would give this a solid bro. And in this year where there's not a lot of great movies, there's not a lot of great movies. Daniel just gave me a quizzical look. Are I, you, I, don't, I wasn't aware of the bro scale. So there's a bro scale, right? Okay. So the bro scale is... From low to top, there's uh, just no, no bro, bro, bromantic, and so bromantic. Oh. So that's the scale. Okay. Now this year, there's been a lot on the lower end of that scale. But as you can see, I'm putting Bob's Burgers right in the middle here. You need to, uh, Daniel's trying to take a selfie here, and he didn't flip the camera. But um, this is right in the middle. Because look, if you like Bob's Burgers, and... It's your style comedy. You're going to enjoy this movie. But I can't say that this as a movie, and I'm going to say a word I hate, but qua a movie. (laughs) (laughs) The qua count goes up by one. The qua count goes up by one. Uh, Does the qua count go up in quartz? Are there quartz of qua? 26 shows since our last qua. (laughs) Quartz of qua. I can't say this was particularly good as a movie. So it started out with a lot of exposition in the beginning where Bob was explaining what was going on. And then it went into a plot that on one hand, it felt like they were trying to make it bigger for the sake of it being a movie. But on the other hand, it didn't really have much going on. It was very small in scope. So there was a murder on the Wonder Wharf. And then six years later, they find the body. And this is in it affects the the belchers being able to make their loan payment for the month which even that was confusing i thought they were gonna have to pay off their entire loan for the store overall and then it was just like here's a month's payment at the end and they were happy with it so i think essentially this movie takes the south park route where there were some songs they hit some major mythological points with tina and jimmy jr and uh luis and her hat we learn about that Right, and if you remember the South Park movie, did Kenny taking his hood down for the first time? Right, so I think they took a lot of cues from that, but I don't think this needed to be a movie, and that's ultimately my takeaway from it. You can do a lot worse this year, but this was ultimately just a money making scheme. If we put Bob's Burgers into theaters as a movie, we can make more money than if we didn't. If you're going to make a movie, why does it need to be a movie and not a TV show? That's my question. What are your thoughts, Daniel? Yeah, my, my overall view focuses around that last part, which is you you have to choose the medium based on the story you're trying to tell. And I don't think that this story needed a movie in order to tell it. Honestly, there was so much that could have been cut out that it could have just been a two-part 
episode as part of their season. Now, as Justin said, that doesn't make them any more money, so why would they do that? But uh, overall, I can't say I wasn't entertained. There were funny moments. There were really funny moments. Then there were long expositional monologues that could have been cut by two minutes and still just been uh, a little bit too long of a monologue. Um, uh, yes, Bob's Burgers, the exposition movie, would be a good... Uh, well, did you ever think there'd be a maniacal villain speech in the Bob's Burgers movie? Well, a maniacal villain speech dance sing? Yeah. Song? Sing. Song? The noun version of what <laughs> I was trying to say? Um, which was almost impossible to actually understand because of the pitching they gave to his voice uh, that went on for six minutes. And all, <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Also, on that same note, logistically, if you're going to do a whodunit story, one, uh, have more characters that possibly could have done it. Right. Right. There was very few characters in this movie, so it got to a certain point that once they had the second suspect, you're like, well, it's got to be the other guy. And two, I haven't watched Bob Burgers in a while, and I don't know if you have. <laughs> was that character a new character introduced for the movie? I was trying to think about that the entire time, but I was doing that thing of like, yeah, I've definitely seen him in an episode. Right? And I was just trying to convince myself, like, right. yeah, I've seen him in an episode. He's, so not, even if he's, he's not the new character. Even if he's been in the show, he's such a new character that obviously having him be the one who did it has the least impact on the show going forward. Right. So, yeah, as you said, as a movie, it's a it's a very poor movie. Um, as an extended Bob's Burgers episode, C+, plus, B-, minus. Eh, C plus. Right, probably. and that's why I give it a solid middle of the round bro and that middle ground bro, and that's all predicated whether you like Bob's Burgers or not. I don't think anyone who's never seen Bob's Burgers is going to go into the theater and see this and be like, oh, I enjoyed that. I think you might be wildly confused. Yeah, 100%. Actually. And actually, I think the amount of people in the theater on opening day for us, although we were we saw it on Friday, not Thursday, I think that speaks to the popularity of Bob's Burgers. Yeah. That, that theater was quite full. Yeah. Totally. Oh. So, yeah, bro. All right, that's a movie that came out. Let's talk about some movies that are going to be coming out. Every generally Saturday, I put the trailers that we're going to talk about into the Discord. I do that so you can watch them when you want. You can watch them before we talk about them. You can watch them after we talk about them. Um, or you can do, uh, you watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Vengeance is written and directed by Office star BJ Novak. In it, his character goes to Texas to mourn the death of a woman he dated a few times. And that's the first thing I find confusing about this trailer. I'm assuming the movie is going to do a better job of setting up that she really liked him where he didn't like her so much. And then his or her family sorry, guilts him into going. But then he goes down there, right? He goes down to Texas, and I say because he's coming from, like, California, I think. And he gets involved with the family, and specifically, I think it's the brother who thinks that she was murdered, not that she just died. And it becomes a whole thing about, you know, conspiracies and this belief in that there are other things going on. And B.J. Novak's character is in communication with Issa Rae back in, I assume, Los Angeles, and he's a writer who wants to write the story of what's going on here. But as the movie goes on, as the trailer goes on, he seems to start to believe the trailer, to believe the conspiracy that she was possibly killed. 
Now, there's a lot of interesting things going on in this trailer, and I think Midsider GS uh, captures it. He says, I want to hug this, but my spidey senses are telling me it's going to be a lot more of the standard coastal elites mocking and denigrating Texans than what the trailer shows. However, if the twist is that the girl was murdered and that the redneck conspiracy theorists are broadly correct, then that is a fantastic and courageous message for this moment. Coastal audiences will see all their pretentious bullshit reflected in a main character who's repeatedly shown to be wrong. Uh, And Midsider Cody replied to that and said, BJ Novak was on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast talking about it. He wrote, directed, and is a star. He's more interested in satirizing how blue state elite liberals look down on people in red states. Hmm. And that makes me think well of the movie. And when I look at it, I look at the basic setup here. And it's the thing I talked about in the beginning. He was less into her than she was into him. I think that relationship dynamic right there speaks volumes. And if that's really the dynamic of the movie and that be what BJ Novak said is really true, I think that movie reflects looking down on them. Because that's what dating is like in Los Angeles. People aren't really invested in it. It's just kind of something they do. They don't really get involved and think deeply about these things. So I could see the movie being a really positive thing. That said, I do have some concerns about it. So I'm right on the fence here. But what's pushing me over the edge is this is a new writer-director. I'm not saying it's a new talent. We know who BJ Novak is. But here's somebody else writing and directing a movie. And I'm going to give him a chance. That deserves to be supported. But I'm, this is something that unless there's nothing else in theaters, I wouldn't see. So for me, this is a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Go ahead, Dan. Whoa. Out of nowhere. Okay. Um, I guess I'm involved in this segment, aren't I? Yes. I thought I was just going to listen. Oh, um, yeah. You can't be an audience member because you never listen to it. So you have to participate. <laughs> Thanks, William. Thanks for calling me out. Um, so messaging aside... But I, I thought your analysis was very good, Justin, which is why I was sort of enraptured. enraptured in, I'll take that. He was enraptured, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Hashtag. Um, not enraptured, enraptured. Let's not mess those two up. Let's not. <laughs> uh, aside from the analysis, aside from the messaging, the thing that worries me about this film is it seems like there's a lot going on. Yes. There's like this relationship set up. There's the coastal elite set up. He decides he wants to start a true crime podcast, which is actually a fake true crime podcast in order to make fun of the uh, hillbillies in Texas. Can you? No, not hillbillies. Rednecks in Texas. Uh, they don't have hills in Texas. Um, <laughs> or not, billies anymore. Not That's offensive. Yeah. Um, Hillbetties. Hillbetties. But then it turns out maybe there is a murder, but maybe not. But yet these people are still dumb. Like, it just seems like there's a lot going on to pack into a movie as opposed to like a series, like a 10 episode series or something. So I'm concerned that they're not going to be able to actually weave all these things together in any interesting manner. And they're just going to ramp up sort of fake plots and then drop them for a new plot and ramp up a fake plot and drop it for a new plot. Um, So with that being said... Uh, this is more like, uh, I'll wait until you tell me I need to watch the movie, and then it'll be on something later that I can rent. Or... You mean like Free Guy, which you still haven't seen? Uh, right, yes. I also have three-year-old I don't watch anything in movies. Uh, the first time I went to the movies since the beginning of the pandemic was, in fact, Friday to see Bob's Burgers movie. So it's been a while. So realistically, 
uh, just being honest with you all, tackle. Tackle? Yes. William? Um, so, I, I, I too, am sitting on the fence. I'm not sure I can add much to either of your analysis. Uh, the, but I have to go back to the spirit of the, uh, of the trailer takedown here and just say, based on the trailer, I don't see a lot of the evidence of this being um, uh, sort of making fun of uh, of the woke take on uh, hillbillies. Maybe that's part of the trailer, though, right? Trying to get the woke people in to get made fun of, or at least to confront their, uh, their uh, beliefs. But I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence, and I think, uh, much like you, Daniel, um, I'm going to have to probably set this one out. So uh, unless, unless Justin comes back with a rave review, and then I'll add it to my list of movies that Justin gets angry with that I haven't seen yet. So for now, tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Beast is a horror thriller starring Idris Elba. In it, he takes his two daughters on an African safari, and a lion attacks them. But it's not just any lion. It's a lion that doesn't act like a typical lion. Look, this is going to be one of those movies that you either like this kind of movie or you don't. The production value looks great. It's Idris Elba. Uh, But for me, it reminds me of Crawl, the movie about the young woman who comes back from college during a Category 5 hurricane in Florida. And there are all sorts of alligators that she has to escape from with her father. I love that movie. I thought it was tremendous. And if you're like, let's take that same movie and do it with Idris Elba and a lion... I am in. Hug. Hug. Daniel? I mean, certainly, uh, if your logline for this movie is Guy Fights Lion, eh, (laughs) that's already more than halfway there. But the guy's Idris Elba, too. Well, that's what I'm saying, is they're already halfway there, right? And you're like, it's Idris Elba fighting a lion. You're like, well, well, fuck. Great. (laughs) I want to see Idris Elba fight a lion. He is Black Superman, after all. Right. Yeah. And soon to be James Bond. Um, we don't know that for sure. I'm okay with it. That would be fantastic. Uh, on the other hand, it's called Beast. And there was this thing of, like, in the early part of the trailer where it's like, it's not acting like any normal lion I've ever seen. British guy who we know is going to die. Um, we know he's going to die so hard that they don't even show him die in the trailer. They just assume you know he died. That's right. We don't need to show you. You got this. Uh, and then it jumps out and it's just a fucking lion what is it a super lion <laughs> what kind of lion is this you just assume that lion's gender by I calling did. it a super lion a super gender okay uh yeah so now i'm starting to go back down again because we've set this up as some sort of weird uh ubermensch lion um and if it was just a uber lynch <laughs> wow uh if it was just called dude fights a lion <laughs> I think I'd be a little more in, but there's like this around this like beast and then it's going to have some weird supernatural or, oh my God, here's a horrible, uh, what you would call a, a theory um, on the internet. It's due to some sort of environmental pollution. It's become Mega Lion. And then we can have Mega Lion 2, The Reckoning. Okay. Uh, tackle. 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 There we go. William? Sorry. The the, the tackle came suddenly out of the blue. Um, (laughs) I liked this uh, trailer only because it, yeah, only because it made me laugh. Uh, I was sitting next to uh, my friend Cricket while I was watching it. He was like, 
this seems this feels like it's been done before and uh it it it, it has been do you know what this preview is it, it it's just Jurassic Park except for it's a lion I agree so, I thought about that okay. when I was watching this That's all right I, I 100% all right. thought that so i mean it looks it's got guns and it's got action so i, I that puts it slightly in the positive category and you know, because of the actor, I, I say I'm going to give it the lightest of hugs. Hug. Third trailer. Rubicon is a movie set entirely in a spaceship, it looks like, who in the future is orbiting Earth, I think. I don't know. It wasn't very clear. And the only thing that can save the 300 people left on Earth is the algae... On the, I don't know, like, I can't even continue with this, okay? <laughs> like, it, it it's so claustrophobic, and not in a good way, right? Like, Midsider Cody mentioned that this has a feeling of, like, Alien from, uh, you know, the first movie, where Ridley Scott was very claustrophobic on purpose, because that's how you feel when a fucking alien is trying to kill you, right? right? And if we we're going to refer to Beast, I mean, Beast, Alien, right? Why not just call the movie Lion, right? <laughs> right. Just Lion, right? Anyway, to return to Rubicon... Right? So it's it's very claustrophobic, but it's claustrophobic for an ethical dilemma, which is very strange for me. Like, are we really just going to watch, like, two hours of, like, people arguing whether they're obligated to give the algae to Earth or not? This is a movie that Eddie Izzard would call just British people in room, British people in a building opening doors, right? Walking into rooms opening doors, that's right. what he calls it. And that's exactly what you just said is exactly my ultimate review of it is, okay, yeah, interesting premise for a, a, a book, or interesting premise for a short story, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can see the ideas being discussed. But as I've said before, TV and movies are visual in nature. This is not visual. This is not a visual story. Tackle. Tackle. Daniel. They called algae algae. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to watch the movie. I feel oppressed. I would not. I wouldn't be able to watch the movie. So tackle, tackle, William. Yeah, I, I this looked very, very, very boring. So tackle, tackle. Final trailer: Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. And by the way, that was the funniest part of this trailer. Where uh, at the end, yeah. when the title came up, Mission yeah. Impossible. <laughs> Then Dead Reckoning came up, and you're like, okay, cool. And then part one came up, and you're like, come on. Me and my friend said the same thing, because we watched this one together as well. And like, as soon as it said part one, we're like, part one? (laughs) This is what Harry Potter gave us, right? With Deathly Hallows part one and two. That is forever the the legacy of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. But anyway, this is the latest entry. Is it the last entry? I don't know. In the Mission Impossible franchise. And a lot of this, look, the production value is slick. Right, it's high quality. This is a high production value action movie. And I think a lot of it is predicated on whether you like the Mission Impossible series and whether you're a Tom Cruise fan. And I haven't seen many of the Mission Impossible series. I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, so that doesn't hook me. But I think the most interesting hook about this is, and there's a tension here and a contradiction here, the most interesting hook is the guy saying, we can control what people believe to be true. For centuries or however long it is, you know, this this is literally people controlling people's thoughts and Tom Cruise is fighting against that. Now he's fighting against that for, quote unquote, the greater good. Right. You know, you have to give up your principles, your principles being fighting for the greater good. 
So I'm not sure there's any sort of real hero for me in this movie. So I'm very much on the fence about this. There's nothing that really hooks me besides that part. But then I watched the ending of it and I watched like the last 45 seconds where it's just Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell driving around Europe and causing chaos and there's all this action. And that looks pretty awesome. So based upon the fact that it looks like a badass action movie with a potentially good villain, and when I mean good villain, I don't mean morally good, but I mean a compelling villain that's designed thematically well, it's a hug for me. Hug. Yeah, uh, I think the last Mission Impossible movie I watched was when the theme song was still in 5-4. I'll, I'll wait for the incredibly nerdy laughter from the musically oriented. I, I understand audiences. and agree. With um, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, don't worry about it. So I'll explain it to you later. Um, I have no interest in this. I don't care about Tom Cruise, really, in any way. I did think that the opening villain monologue was the most interesting part of the trailer. That is not going to be enough to get me to hire a babysitter so I, we can go watch this movie in the theaters. Tackle. Tackle. And just to be clear, William, before you go, our midsiders are big fans of Tom Cruise, so we don't want to act like oh, that's there true. Are, are, are no Tom Cruise fans in the world. The GS and Midsider Cody, Midsider GS and Midsider Cody both said they love Tom Cruise and that's why they want to see this movie. So there are Tom Cruise fans out there. He's still a bankable star. I agree. He's just not my favorite actor. But he's, you know, other than the way he runs, he's pretty interesting. <laughs> William? Hey, if he actually drove that mic- that uh, motorcycle off the cliff, if he did that stunt on his own, then I'm in. Otherwise, I'm tackled. But uh, since I can't decide that, I'll have to follow my own rule from earlier and base it just on the trailer. Hey, there's guns. A slightly <laughs> uh, interesting premise. Uh, the rampant altruism that is in Mission Impossible. Always sacrificing for the greater good. All things being equal. This looks like a action movie I can sit through. Will it be better than, uh, than Top Gun Maverick? Probably not. But hey, why not watch both? When you... Netflix and hug. Cool. Well, I think I tackled all of the. Oh, you've triggered the rule. You've return. triggered me on, on your on your uh, return. Yes. So, but this one's clear for me. If, if I had to watch one of these, it's Vengeance. That's pretty clear. Interesting. Not Lion. Interesting. I thought. Uh, no, I but thought I've decided sure the name of this movie should be Claws. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> but the, Jurassic that... Park, Africa. Wait, 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 wait. Does that set up the inevitable Christmas sequel, Sandy Claus? That's right. I like it. All right. That brings us to the end of this episode. What did we learn this trip, Daniel? Uh, I learned that a not front shirt is not what I thought it was. (laughs) William? Uh, I learned that much like we've never reached peak farce, we have not yet reached peak dad joke. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned many things about pronunciation and names of movies. I learned that algae is pronounced algae, which has to offend somebody named Al out there who likes the same gender, whether a man or a woman. What does that mean to like the same gender? I don't know. (laughs) 
All right, Daniel, would you like to handle the plugging for this episode? Oh man, traditionally, oh, gosh, uh, <laughs> just putting me on the spot here. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I enjoyed being back here. I, it occurred to me about halfway through the show that there may even, in fact, be some listeners who are so new that. They don't know who oh. the hell I am. And Wait, we yeah, because we have mentioned... at least three less listeners now. Before we only had two. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we have new listeners? I think we've only lost a listener since you've left. Not possible. Not possible with my grating tenor voice. Um, so I, I, it was, it, thank you for having me back. I used to be uh, a co-host of the show, and it's, it's been a while since I, I departed. So thanks for having Co-host me. Co-host Emeritus. Co-host Emeritus. That's right. So I appreciate the opportunity to be, to be back here. Uh, and getting to do the plug. So you should go to the midside.com slash store to get all your midside swag to represent the midside. Do you have any new swag up in the stores? No, still like the, every uh, week I say I need to design new swag. Yeah, and every do. week we try to get them to, but uh, false dichotomy bro shirt, uh, the classic Hail logo Snydra. Shirt. <laughs> yeah, classic logo and Hail Snydra. Snydra. That Hail Snydra shirt just gets slicker and slicker every year. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty good. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash the midside or the midside.com slash Patreon, which helps us keep the lights on. Man, it's been a while since I got to say that. Um, you can also go to locals, apparently. I don't know what the hell that is, but it's some other site where you can help support the show and help pay Justin's mortgage, which he now has. So please do that. Um, but if you can't uh, afford to throw us a few bucks every episode or every month, that's fine. The most important thing you can do for the show is to tell a friend. Tell a friend about the show, how much you enjoy it, how much you hate it, how much you wish it would go away, how much you wish it would be syndicated internationally or done on a daily basis. Can you imagine <laughs> a daily midside? Oh my I God. I mean, you guys are going to have to give a lot of money to Patreon and locals if you want daily episodes because I got a job. I, I don't think we'll... I, don't, I, don't, I, I think that there's more than enough farce for, for daily episodes. I'm just going to say. Oh, there is. That, that, that's not the issue. There's definitely more than enough farce for daily episodes. That's not the issue. That's right. So tell a friend, tell your enemy, tell your dog, put it on during your 4th of July party, whatever you're going to do. Or, or your Juneteenth or Your party. Juneteenth celebration with your red velvet ice cream. <laughs> it's good for a listening party. Tell a friend. But until next time, we love you. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, Take a step back and witness the farce. Avoid racist red velvet ice cream. Literally nothing. I mean, we can't even make another red velvet ice cream joke. It has got it's got gluten in it, so I already avoid it. Does that mean I've been virtue signaling all this time? Midsider Tom wants a Midside News Network, which quite <laughs> honestly would just be Justin, just red faced, just hands in the air, exasperated, <laughs> screaming. For would last longer than camera. CNN Plus for sure, though. I mean, I think I have a TikTok concert. <laughs>